The School Show, whichschooladvisor.com's podcast where we talk about all things education in the UAE and beyond. Words and ideas can change the world. The School Show podcast from whichschooladvisor.com is back and ready to tackle the big one. The question our team get asked the most, how do we choose the right school for our child? My name is Jenny Mollen and I'm your host for today. This episode will be a little different to those we've done before because we've split this podcast into two segments, how to choose a primary school and then how to choose a secondary school. There's definitely some common themes which unite any school choice, but there are also different things to consider based upon your child's age. So for the first segment of today's show, we'll be looking at how to choose a primary school. And I have two expert guests in the studio with me. They've been very patient because the AC is not working. So thank you both, first of all. We're all sat here slightly sweaty. Um, I've got Ben Rothwell, who's Deputy Head at Victory Heights Primary School. Welcome, Ben. Welcome to you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. And then standing in for the lovely Louise McGeever, who's not very well at Safa British School, I have Fiona McDermott, who's an Assistant Head there. So thanks for being here, Fiona. I'm so excited. I feel very lucky to be here today. All right. Well, uh, we've lost Louise, but game changed, so that's great. Um, Later on... I'll be speaking to Giles Pruitt, who's executive principal at Arcadia School, and Matt Tompkins, principal, CEO of GEMS First Point School. One great way to experience a school is at our Festival of Schools, which is running throughout the month of November. The festival kicked off at Safa British School, and then we'll move on to GEMS First Point School this weekend, before the festival baton gets passed to Arcadia School, and lastly, to Ben's School, Victory Heights Primary School. Visit whichschooladvisor.com for lots more information and your free tickets. Now... If your children are older, they may have some input and ideas into the type of school they want to attend. But when they're younger, the decision is all on you. So the first thing I wanted to ask, bit slightly off topic, but ha- primary school is a really happy, happy memory, I think, for a lot of people. Hopefully for a lot of people. It certainly is for me. So tell me a little bit about your life at primary school. Was it a great time for you, Ben? Are you trying to recreate that time for the, the children at Victory Heights? Well, I, I wish I had a memory that went back that far. It was a long time ago <laughs> for me. Uh, having just celebrated my 40th birthday, I have to think a long, a long way back in time. But yeah, I went to uh, primary school in South East London and okay. it, was a, it was a happy uh, place to be. A lot of the things that we do now in schools, I can't really relate them to my experience at primary schools. I think there's been a, a dramatic change okay, in education yeah. since I was at school. But yeah, I just remember feeling nurtured and cared for and those are all the sorts of things that I want to take forward into what we do. Yeah. Uh, and I think we do a pretty good job of that. I think you do too at Victory Heights. I went to a very, very, very small, very religious primary school. And every single day, the first thing we did before break time was the saint of the day. Oh. Yeah. Pre-national curriculum. I'm even older than you, Ben. <laughs> Pre-national <laughs> curriculum days, we did the saint of the day first, a bit different. So, Fiona, we've talked a little bit. We you have. told me about your primary school days. Yeah, but tell, tell our listeners. it's quite a experience, I think, to, to yours, Ben, because I'm from the west of Ireland. So the school I went to is really rural. Um, however, we were so lucky with our principal, uh, who I've spoken to Jenny about before, um, Neil Hallisey. I don't know, name dropping him in there. Um, it was just such an innovative primary school and our whole primary education was based on project-led learning. Like we had an oyster farm where basically Amazing. we learned to yeah. fish and farm our own oysters. Um, literally everything that we did came from ideas from 
our friends in the class. So I don't know whether that's kind of instilled that passion for me and why I've kind of ended up working mostly in early years, because for me, that's that is what learning should be, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. So reflecting on that and now what you both know about primary schools, what would you say is the very first thing a parent needs to think about when they come to choosing a primary school? Obviously, the situation of being an expat here in Dubai lends itself to a few more levels to that question, if you like, Ben. But what would you advise people to think about first? Well, to be honest, when you're moving to Dubai, and this is particularly relevant for Dubai, I think location is really important. And I, I do say that there's a lot of really good schools in Dubai. And mm-hmm. we're not, we don't put ourselves on a pedestal that we're somewhere way above everywhere else. There's a lot of great schools. Your school is a great school. Uh, location is really important. You need mm-hmm. to make sure that your children are not commuting too far. I Absolutely. see some children, especially in FS, who are leaving yeah. at the end of the day, absolutely knackered. And I can't see why you would put them through, and yourself, yes. through extended journeys we've got schools that are built in the heart of communities primarily you should be looking at schools in your communities i hear people say oh i'm thinking of going to this school and you're like well that's 45 minute drive (laughs) do you want to be doing that twice a day yeah every day for years and years and years exactly Exactly. it's so stressful just as as just driving to work when you have to go over (laughs) an extended journey let alone doing it with a kid or two in the back of the car so that would be a primary concern for me Fiona, yeah. what would you no, advise? Absolutely. And then I suppose when you've narrowed down, say, the cluster of schools in that location, once you go to visit them, I think it's actually really important to trust your gut because yeah. you, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there, Ben. There are so many amazing schools in Dubai. So you do have to kind of, I guess, see yourself kind of coming to school every day to that school. You know, yes, your children are going to be going to that school. And I guess your primary concern as a parent is that they'll be happy and safe in the school that they're going to. However, you as a parent are going to have to be going to that school every single day as well. So you kind of need to have that feeling and the ethos that the school has has to match your own, I guess, as well. That's really important. We always say to people, just do take lots and lots of tours. You know, for me doing this... Yeah, and ask loads of questions. Have them written down, because it can be a bit overwhelming when you walk in. I'm overwhelmed half the time as a teacher (laughs) going in and out of schools. I can't imagine what it's like as a parent. And we, you know, in our job, we go in and out of schools and and actually it does really inform your gut because there is a different feeling in different schools. And I, I think just taking loads of tours is really powerful. Even if you think that school is probably not going to be right for you, Maybe it'll it'll surprise you and maybe it'll teach you some things, you know, the good questions to ask or the things you don't want in a primary school. Absolutely. I know we we sort of live in a, an environment now where I know if I'm looking for a hotel, you go and look at reviews exactly. and things like that. And, but... It's You're about to give which school advisor a big up there, Ben, <laughs> But it, it's not a hotel, is it? You need to actually go and experience it for yourself. You can't just go, well, that's an 8 out of 10 school, so that must be okay. We'll go there. We'll yeah, consi- commit for the next six years of our life to go yeah. there. You need, you do need to go and visit it and yeah. you get a go. And you'll meet, you'll meet members of the leadership team and the teaching team and you'll get that sense that you can trust that person to look after mm-hmm. your, your child. That's what I'd... I'd be looking if I was in that position. Can yeah. I trust this person that the decisions they make will be the right decisions for my child? Yeah, and I absolutely. think you can get a feeling, can't you, from you know meeting the leadership team and the teachers, and kind of you sense what 
their priorities are. And I think asking those kinds of questions, like what are the priorities for the school? Mm -hmm. You know, some schools will focus on, you know, the well-being or the social emotional development of children. Others may have more of a focus on creative arts or active learning, or mm. it might be more academic. And I think those kinds of questions about and finding those out are, yeah. are really important as well. Yeah. So, Ben, your Victory Heights Primary School is a standalone primary school. You do have your separate FS phase now, yeah. which is a new element for the school. And Fiona Safa British School is an all-through school. So FS, eventually, yeah. you're in a new campus now, but eventually all the way through to those 18-year-olds. So tell me about the differences and the sort of pros and cons of choosing a standalone primary school, first of all, Ben, and then, you know, an all-through school. Because I think perhaps for myself as a Brit, an all-through school I wouldn't have known very much about. They're just not very common to us. So, so Ben, what's, what's your first feeling yeah, on that? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If I was to choose one word to sort of describe what we are, I'd say relatable and for mm. the majority of our British parents who come to us, they kind of have that feeling like this is like the school that I went to yeah. or at least the school that I wish I went to because mm -hmm. it is small comparatively speaking it's yeah. still massive in terms of some of the schools like Fiona's school I imagine was a, a lot smaller than <laughs> eight, 860 children that we have altogether. <laughs> but it, it is a lot smaller than some of the, yeah. the vast campuses that we see in Dubai so it is relatable it, it, it feels I, I guess more homegrown and, and more the children in year six at our school are at the top of the school and they have that sense of ownership yes. and responsibility in the school, which is something that I really like about the, a primary-only setting. Mm -hmm. And this is me speaking who actually transitioned from being in secondary school. So oh, I was a okay, I didn't know that about you, Ben. Okay. Ah. Yeah, so I came to Dubai and I... I'd I love got... to see more people doing that, actually, because yeah, I think there's I mean, such so a lot that secondary teachers can learn from their primary colleagues, and vice versa, of course. But Yeah, yeah. It, it was a big culture shock when I moved out here and uh, moved. Moving primarily for me, I was teaching mainly sixth form. Wow, oh, wow. And okay. then going, <laughs> dropping into... Have back... you done early years yet, Ben? Well, I, <laughs> yeah, so I was a specialist <laughs> computing teacher, and we, right. I used to teach... Best one children computing wow. lessons. Wow. So that was a big, a big shift <laughs> for me. I can love to have seen that in action. Um, so yeah, I think the relatability thing for us and, and having the children, having the sense of that they are the leaders of the school when they're in year six and that sort of responsibility. And my secondary school background then leads me to remember when year seven children joined us, it felt that they were all really small. Yeah. They all had blazers that the, extended the beyond the leg. Yeah. Yep. And they didn't know where they were going and they all had snotty noses all year long. <laughs> and it just it was the dramatic difference between what I see with a year six child to that year seven child. Yeah. You're like, they're different people, but it's the environment that they're within yeah. completely yeah. shapes them. So I do like the fact that our children get that chance to be the leaders of the school, the, the biggest kids in in the yeah. school I think it they really look forward to it and the student council and things that we run in year six and and they really do have a say in, in what we do as a school so that's Fantastic. that's what I would yeah. recommend about and I think I think school. for you Fiona it's great actually in Dubai again another sort of facet of that big choice that parents are going to have to make when they're choosing a school is they can look at a school like Ben's and see all those wonderful things but then they can also turn to a school like yours which is Absolutely. different and, you know, you can go all, all roll all the way through from year six to year seven and, and onwards. So, so tell us about that then. And it, do you know what? I actually love even listening to the way you describe, you know, the year six children. It's so <laughs> true. But even for, you know, in... Sapphire British, up until recently, we were actually a, a standalone primary. Uh -huh. So it's quite new for us as yeah. well, like that um, transitioning into secondary. And 
I guess because of that reason, a lot of effort and time has gone into transitioning the students mm -hmm. from year six to year seven. And, you know, we all know as we're talking around the table, there are many children that really respond well to having that really smooth transition. Mm -hmm. So things like, you know, having familiar faces, familiar yeah. teachers that teach them, say, in year six, I also teach them in year seven. So that transition becomes really smooth um, has been amazing. Like at the moment, we're up to year nine. It will be the whole all way through. through. Yeah. Um but yeah, so they're, I guess, the key things that we notice, say, from a primary point of view going into secondary, that we can really help them prepare for it. Because sometimes, you know, as you, it's funny um, looking at both sides of it, that yes, you, you have them coming in in their, in their long uniforms. And that can be quite daunting for them. They, we do change the uniform going into secondary mm -hmm. anyway, but they are just supported yeah. in that phase as well so which I is guess quite nice. again it's it's what suits your child isn't absolutely. it absolutely and, and I guess at the end of the choice. day yeah. yeah yeah and certainly some parents have siblings older siblings and they move on yeah. to a school and then that that sort of makes the decision easier yeah. for them mm -hmm. so we have children who might leave us in year six with siblings further down the school and naturally it fits for them going back to my first point about things like traveling to school yeah. and things in the morning yeah. it naturally fits for them in that sense as well yeah, yeah. It's like the logistics of it, really, isn't it? <laughs> so you're both a British curriculum primary school, but obviously in Dubai, again, another level of choice that we have is that suddenly we're presented with all these different curricula and, and parents get all sorts of, you know, am I making the right decision? Should it be the British curriculum? Does it matter? What about IB? What about all these other things? What would your take on that be, Ben? Do Does it matter which curriculum we choose at primary level? Should parents think about that too much? How, how, how big a point in your decision-making process should that be? I certainly think that it becomes more of a difficult decision as you move th through into sure. secondary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think IB then becomes maybe more compelling, certainly at the, at the higher level. Um, I think at a primary level, a lot of what we do is a, is about preparing children and it's about it's far more holistic than just looking at the curriculum that they're mm -hmm. being taught. And they're being taught the basics and, and how to write and how to read. And regardless of the curriculum, those things stay the same. So I don't think parents should put too much weight in a primary curriculum, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think they should look at the curriculum that the school offers in terms of for example, what we teach in humanities and how we approach moral education and social studies, things like that. But looking at it in terms of this is British curriculum, this is IB, this is international primary curriculum, all of those different options that they have. Uh, I don't I don't particularly feel that that's mm -hmm. uh, as important a decision. Maybe that's, from for me, a position of only knowing British curriculum. I'd, perhaps I'd, I'm not too familiar with mm -hmm. the uh, the primary years program in IB mm -hmm. to, to know too much of the differences it but I, I think ultimately when we're dealing with very small children the difference can't can't be too dramatic yeah yeah, yeah like I know in for example, in my own experience and at Safa, we do have, as I'm sure you do too, um, many children who swap between different curriculums yes. throughout the year or even coming in in September. Go on to my next question, I love it. Go yeah, on. yeah. I, and I guess for us, we might notice gaps, say, for example, in learning just because curriculum coverage looks different. Do mm -hmm. you know what? It looks different in school to school anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind curriculum to curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I guess once you have the support from the teacher or whoever else is there to help the child yeah. in their development within primary school, it's not necessarily a massive issue. Mm -hmm. As they go into secondary and the pathways change, I guess that's when it becomes a little bit more complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You probably know more about... I think about you're, you're probably the same as us in terms of like, okay, yeah, we teach 
British curriculum, with national the, curriculum, the bring them, but that <laughs> yeah. is just basically a, a framework of what we do. And we do loads of things on top of that. We've also obviously got all the regional subjects that we have to add into that. Mm-hmm. We, we, it's almost quite bespoke what sure. the schools Absolutely. out here are teaching. Yeah. So it, it isn't just like very regimented. I know, because we have our, um, like our own aspect of curriculum in the school called Planet. And I always kind of describe it as um, like a sprinkle of IB in a British okay. school yeah. setting. Yeah. And that's actually the nice thing about being here as well, because yeah. you, you do have that little bit you of freedom to so sort of do that. You so from other yeah. schools and yeah. different settings as well. And yeah. it, we're quite, we're very lucky. And I suppose, you know, taking it back to the UK where I'm from, if a, a child was moving from IB into a typical British primary school, then maybe those teachers don't have that experience in helping them to adapt. But you guys have, you've done it over and over again. You've seen kids come from different curricula. Yeah, exactly. We, I think the transitional uh, nature of Dubai means that we've got children coming in and coming out all the time. It isn't quite as scary for us to have to deal with those transitions, yeah. is it? It's, they're coming it's... from all over the world. Like, it's not just even, you know, the curriculums we have in Dubai. They're literally yeah. coming yeah. from everywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly, yes. So here's a big question for parents in Dubai. We touched on parking before we started recording. I'm not going to ask you about parking. So the three things that parents always get a bit cross about parking, uniforms, school fees. So tell me, in your opinion, does higher fees equal a better school? What does it mean? I think there there is a level that that you come to where you sort of get a guarantee of, of quality. I think you have to think about what is it that schools need to spend their... The, the money that mm-hmm. you're paying them and that's primarily down to staffing that's one of the biggest costs yep. that they do and then obviously things like resources have an impact on that i think you go much beyond that sort of midline base level and then you'll get into some dramatically high fees mm-hmm. i think you're then looking at okay you're getting schools perhaps that look a little bit more like a five-star hotel than what it i would say after all yeah so. our homegrown <laughs> chocolate boxes the principal would describe it of what we are so that, that. <laughs> i think the the differences become a bit more cosmetic and and for sure if you're offering higher salaries the staffing you may be able to recruit staff from other schools in dubai for example whereas perhaps we we look more internationally at mm-hmm. times but I don't think the I don't think it's exponential growth. I don't think okay. once you go beyond a level, I don't think that you're you're necessarily getting exactly bang for buck okay. more that you pay. I, I don't think difference between paying forty five thousand and ninety thousand. I don't think you're getting forty five thousand dirhams extra value. Uh-huh. That would I be think my that's take a, actually a really very interesting, way very reassuring it, yeah. point to make to parents because again, quite often it's a it's a new. You know, and a new and an intimidating element of school choice is that, you know, but so-and-so down the road, their kid goes to this school and it's so much more expensive. So what is better? What's better? Fiona, have you got any thoughts on that? We were speaking about this yesterday. I had a chat about this exact question with Louise. Okay. So you can, it's like she's here. Um, <laughs> but I guess it's it kind of touching on what you said there, Ben. It, it depends on what the parents' focus is. Mm-hmm on essentially Mm -hmm. like when you're looking at you know the mid-market and um premium kind of schools you would kind of expect it i guess in a sense that the teachers would be really experienced anyway and at Mm -hmm. the end of the day you know for your child yes you could have a school that has magnificent facilities and they have everything under the sun but you're also looking at the teacher who you, you know your child spends most of their time especially in primary um and you'd like to think that you know that they're there because they're a passionate teacher yes, yes, as well. Yes, yeah. So it's a, it's a very 
tricky question. And I think what you said, Ben, is um, it's a very metaphorical way of describing <laughs> it, like against the hotels and the cosmetic side. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose if you've got a very sporty child and you really want them to have, you know, the oppor- sporting opportunities, maybe you do have to go to those schools that have yeah. got, That's it. you, you have know, to a huge array of different sporting facilities. So again, it's uh, it's peeling it back to what you really need and want for your child. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, that's completely right. I think I think just parents shouldn't get too worried about like I've only this is my budget. Oh, I'm that I'm at a mid range. That means my, I'm letting my child down. I don't mm. think you should think that. Yeah, I think okay. at a certain level, like I said before, there's a lot of great schools in Dubai, especially at that middle middle range of, mm-hmm. of pricing. I don't think you need to worry about sort of uh, foregoing your daily coffee or something to try yeah. and up your budget. <laughs> I think. Oh God, the bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And exactly. you're both, you know, you're sort of I would say mid fee. You're sort of very similar sort of pitch of your fees, and you're both very good schools. You know, yeah. so exactly, you, you yeah. and both really on the trajectory I think to out- being in an outstanding school so actually great examples of what Ben's just said there. so um obviously we you know a lot of us I was fortunate enough to my children were born here in Dubai so I put them into school and they've kind of you know moved through the system but what's especially daunting I think is when you arrive midway through your, your child's school career and you've taken them out of everything they've known and loved and here we are landing in Dubai so what advice do you have for those parents in particular if they're changing schools mid primary career what can they do to support their child what should they be expecting from their children uh, from their school rather Fiona I keep asking Ben the question first because he's sat on that side go on I'll get you (laughs) into this one first I know we've kind of touched a little bit on curriculum it's not to be all and end all necessarily as we said in primary however you know if you are coming from England it might be something worth looking into initially is Mm -hmm. you know do you want to send your child to a British school are you you know coming from the states and you want to send them to Mm -hmm. an American curriculum school and coming back to where 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 are you based where are you going to be based when you come into Dubai like where is your work that's all that all feeds into what we said earlier about the location of the school and is it going to be feasible Mm -hmm. you know Dubai isn't um like it's not a massive city location wise so but the traffic can be really bad it feels it when you first arrive exactly so you, you do need to take those things into consideration I know I keep saying it, but I think the questions that you ask are so important. Mm-hmm. And finding out, you know, if your child is moving mid-primary school, you are going to look need to look at some schools who you know will support them socially and emotionally because mm-hmm. that change can be quite challenging yeah. when you're yeah. moving from a different country. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, you're going to a school that will support them through mm-hmm. that that transition as well we've got a great article on the site actually about the questions parents should ask so i'll link it i'll link it to this podcast you can print it off and take it with you if you go around to school um so ben what would you say what should what should you expect of your child's teachers if they're changing when they say seven or eight years old yeah i would i would hope and i would i expect our teachers to be in contact with the parents at an early point and talk about uh, the emotional needs of the child changing from perhaps a different country mm-hmm. or to a different school uh, and then looking in the sort of first six weeks at their academic needs working out baselining yeah. where they are because uh, as you mentioned earlier on Fiona curriculum although it stays the same schools approach it in slightly different ways so you might find that we're on fractions in maths and that child has missed some other stuff before so it's about working out those gaps uh, that 
really schools should be prioritizing that for new mm. beginners. I think what I would ask of parents is children are remarkably resilient and some parents don't recognize the resilience in their own children yeah. and they don't necessarily give their children the opportunity to show their resilience. Mm -hmm. So I would I would strongly ask parents that, yeah, support your child, help them emotionally, but also you need to let the, the child have an opportunity to get into the new school and, and not be constantly sort of supported by you in every yeah. in the mo most minor aspects mm -hmm. because that makes the transition harder for them I think yeah it's funny we did as a family we made the decision to move our, our son when he was about eight years old from one school to another and I, I, I hated the whole pro I hated telling him I hated the whole process the moving of him but in hindsight actually you know the kids in Dubai they have quite a like you know, quite comfortable, blessed lives in lots of ways. And it was the first sort of big challenge that he actually had to get over in his life yeah. pretty much by himself, you know. And in hindsight, as a parent, I actually think it really built his confidence because once he walked through those school doors, I, I wasn't there to help. I couldn't help him. And he had to, like, as you say, he had to, you know, be resilient and crack on and, and make this change by himself. And that's such an important skill, mm, not, isn't it? In, yeah. in life, you yeah, need yeah. to have, build that resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be one thing I'd ask for parents to let your child flourish yeah. or even let them flounder for a bit at first because they will find their feet. Because they'll and learn something then, yeah. Are remarkably good at supporting that. Fantastic. Uh, and I think another thing I would say is you need, to, once you move schools, you need to put the other school to the to the back yes, of your mind yes yes you can't keep That's making comparisons important. especially with international school systems yeah. so oh we're in the british primary school like they because schools here are yeah. very different if you were used to being in a hundred child school in a, in a rural village in england yeah if you're now in a thousand seat school in dubai things it's will going look to different. Be different yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, so making so comparisons is not going to benefit anyone yeah 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 so Ben from Victory Heights Primary School and Fiona from Safa British School, it's been such a helpful conversation for parents. Before you go, please answer the question we put to every single one of our guests who come on the School Show podcast. What does education mean to you, Fiona? And again, I'm going to laugh here because I spoke to Louise about this yesterday and when, when I said it to her, she was like, that is such a Fiona McDermott answer. Um, <laughs> she I, knew what you were going to yeah, say. Yeah, she knew it. So I always, you know, and maybe it's the Irish person in me, I always quote WB8. It's like, it's education is not the filling of a pail, but a light, the lighting of a fire. Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah, and I just think that captures, you know, my own ethos. Okay. Like, in that sense, you know, okay. it's not just the embarking of knowledge. It's, yep, you know, yeah, yeah. igniting the love of learning. Amazing. Okay. And Ben, for you? I think for me, that I, I often read about people People who are perhaps less knowledgeable about education talk about we need to set our children up for jobs in the future and things like that. I don't think we need to set our children up for jobs in the future. We need to make them resilient, socially aware, aware of the environment around them and, and just make them into good citizens. Yeah. I don't think we should be worried too much about what they're going to be doing in 20 years' time. I always feel time. a little bit sad when schools talk about, you know, building CVs and things for really young children. I don't want my kids to think about jobs yet. I want them to be know, climbing like trees and learning how to yeah. do a budget and things no, no, like no, that no no yeah. i think i'll leave time for that nonsense when you're older <laughs> exactly Absolutely. yeah still learning that no <laughs> i've loved having you both on the school show thank you both for hiking over here ben particularly you've come a long way <laughs> the only had slightly hopped short across, hopped yeah. across from south <laughs> british but two fantastic schools if you're thinking about choosing a primary school please go and meet the guys at victory heights primary school and at Safa british school it's been a pleasure thank you for inviting us you're so welcome 
So in this second segment of the School Show podcast, we're going to turn to choosing a secondary school. Again, some of the fundamentals of choosing a school will be the same whether you're looking for primary or secondary. But when it comes to those latter years of your child's education, you perhaps have more information to work with. Information which will likely either confuse or inform your decision. Perhaps your child needs extra support. Perhaps they have a very specific career aspiration. Or perhaps, as expats, your family plans means that your child will attend two or more secondary schools. How do we get all of these different things right? Again, I'm joined in the studio by Giles Pruitt, Executive Principal of Arcadia School. Welcome, Giles. Very nice to be here, Jenny. Thank you. Good stuff. And for the second time on the School Show podcast, Matt Tompkins, Principal CEO of GEMS First Point School, The Villa. Welcome, Matt. Lovely to be here, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. So before we moved on, I'd love to, and I asked the guys who, who've covered primary for us this, this morning as well, because for me, I don't know if everybody else is the same, but primary, I've got those lovely kind of warm, nice memories and secondary it gets a little bit tough. So what was your secondary school experiences like? Were there happy years for you, Giles? Tell me what it was it like. Uh, mine, mine was really interesting. I mean, I went to a very big uh, comprehensive school mm-hmm. between uh, Bath and Bristol in the southwest okay. of, uh, of England um, in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much about uh, sport and the wider program uh, alongside its sort of academic provision for right right the way through from GCSE to A-level. Big class sizes, a large community, uh, very much town-based. But I had a great experience because uh, the teachers there were really good at getting more out of the children rather than just academics. So that was my experience and probably sort of shaped how I view education myself for the remainder of my life. Kind of why I asked the question, really, because I guess it is very formative, your experience of secondary school. Matt, what was it like for you? Uh, Comprehensive as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Mine was down in Kent Mm -hmm. uh, at the same secondary school uh, all the way through, uh, uh, including sixth form. Uh, Similar to Giles, uh, very sporty at school, Mm -hmm. but was lucky enough to have a number of sports teachers who also cared about the other side of things and pushed me to become more academic than I probably naturally would have been (laughs) um, uh, uh, and uh, and also enabled me to... Um, to perform at a top level in terms of sport. So, Brilliant. Uh, okay. so what yeah. was your sport, Matt? What did you... uh, well, I was lucky enough to play for the county for uh, both football and cricket. Wow, okay. Um, uh, and uh, played a lot of cricket mm-hmm. um, when I was uh, at school. Uh, and uh, similar to Giles, I'm a golfer. Okay. So, uh, oh, so okay. played a bit of golf. When You're I in was the right place well. now, though. Yeah, for yeah, the yeah, golf. yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so, when it comes then to choosing, you know, I, I've got primary age children, so I've sort of got, you know, a, a good mindset around choosing a primary school. What's the differences then about choosing a secondary school? What what extra things do you think we need to start thinking about? Do you want to start with that, Matt? Um, uh, I think it, you can become. Uh, it, this, the process can become overcomplicated. Right, okay. In that um, if you're in a school where your child is doing well and performing mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and they have good relationships mm-hmm. and they work well within the system they're in, then th- there really is no need to change. Yeah, um, yeah. It's about trusting that school. Mm-hmm. It's about knowing that that, that school can deliver what your child needs. Mm-hmm. So um, we spoke a little bit earlier about the different subject choices. Sure. Um, the different focus of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, we'll, we'll probably get on to reputation of the school, mm-hmm. um, but also reputation of the school group. Yeah. So where it's a well-established group, where you know that there's credibility. So 
you're always going to replace quality with quality because Mm -hmm. we live in a transient international society that that's not limited to just other businesses it's limited to you know it it includes schools as Mm -hmm. well so um it's it's about knowing that your child will be looked after will Mm -hmm. be known as an individual and Mm -hmm. will be supported as an individual to um to achieve their their aims and wishes and goals um yeah and uh and with with our school, with with Gem Schools, we aim to see the genius in every child. So I yeah. love it. You got that in there. Genius yeah, in no, every well, child. It's yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> tick that one off my list. There we go. <laughs> but it is, you know, we visit loads of Gem Schools, and it is great. We see that reflected in yeah. all your schools, and it, you know, it speaks to that point that you're making that there is an ethos and quality that that, that runs throughout the, the brand. So, um, Giles, for you, what would you advise parents if you've made your primary school choice, but now you're a bit confused about secondaries? What, what different things do you need? start thinking about well well, matt hit the nail on the head it it does look very complex Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the complexity is developed by uh, the longer term academic goals of the Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. so we're suddenly entering a time period and and i think uh, my experiences over the last 25 years in in leadership is uh, parents have become much more involved in the process particularly when they're starting to look at their children moving on to higher education and that's now starting as young as year five in year six conversations with parents about those aspects and 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 my feedback to parents there is please take your time Mm. there is no rush because there's so much uh developmental change of a child between the age of eight and the age of 18 that that has to be taken into consideration so matt's point there is if if they're already in a great school with a good fit yeah. and they're happy and they're confident yeah. and they've got access to the uh, broader program in the school they're doing well academically why why change don't mm-hmm. take that risk because um, that child's confidence can be derailed if you move them around too frequently sure. and too quickly I do think the mindset of a primary parent and a, and a secondary parent is slightly different mm. uh, and they do change uh, that approach and certainly the conversations we have at school with parents are very much now focused on pathways and ensuring that we can uh, ensure each child actually goes down a direction that's going to benefit them, yeah. benefit their skills, their competencies, their confidences. So so it is, it is a little change of mindset um, and of course with the academic emphasis at the end product mm-hmm. because we still are dominated by an end product mm-hmm. in a society that mm-hmm. says you're going to have this number of GCSEs, mm-hmm. this number of um, uh, IBDP or this number yeah, of A-levels yeah. to get you where you want to go, which in some respects uh, hasn't changed for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, so we are slowly evolving uh, and I think our parents want to be well informed. Mm-hmm. They want to be supported on the journey. Yeah. And a school that's able to demonstrate that uh, with that sort of personalised approach and staying connected to the family and making sure every step of the way uh, the parents are supported and informed mm-hmm. is, is also very important for a secondary mm-hmm. context. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I think what's really interesting to picking up on that is is the information we're able to, to give parents. Mm-hmm. So um, Giles and I both run fully inclusive schools and are mm-hmm. very proud to do so. Yeah. So we take students of, of all abilities and we maximise their progress as they go through um, our schools. Mm-hmm. There are there are other schools who select their students, mm-hmm. only take the very best students. Mm-hmm. They take them through, and they get similar results to Giles and I. Yeah. Now I think now it's very important that parents look at that. Absolutely. But yeah. but, but, but the, and here's the question: mm-hmm. which is the better school? Mm. Yeah. Because you don't get the information that sits behind it. It's right you don't get the information that sits behind it, which is what abilities of students did you take through to get to that um, yeah. to that point. Yeah. 
But we're incredibly proud. The, 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 so the students for our A-levels this year, we had a value added of 1.9. That's nearly wow. two grades above where yeah. they were supposed to get. Yeah. Now, our A-level results are comparable with some of those established selective schools. So we're, we're on a level with those. But yeah. you look at them in, in the purest form, yeah. we're the same. Yeah. You actually, you, you dig a little bit deeper and, and we're a very different school mm -hmm. that does very different things mm -hmm. with our students and, and uh, really maximises the potential of those students. You're really so incredibly proud of your school, aren't you, Mo? Like Every I'm, time I'm, I speak to you, you know it just I'm, shines, I have to I'm, say. I'm incredibly proud of young people oh, yeah. and, and the progress that they make. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, if one of, my, uh, one of my students transfers to... Giles's school, yeah. I'm still incredibly proud of that yeah. young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same one, I know that Giles would be the same with me. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, we came into education to make a difference to young people's lives. And um, we're incredibly proud of the difference mm -hmm. that we make. Yeah. And what's incredible about education, we will do everything we can this year to make sure that the young people get what they deserve and more. Mm -hmm. And then next year, we'll find even more to do. Yes. And yeah. we'll improve and we'll get You'll even never better. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the passion that has to drive you uh -huh. in education uh -huh. that you're constantly looking for those centimeter gains. You're mm -hmm. constantly looking for those small things that you can move forward yeah. and improve and develop. Yeah. And you're looking for the opportunity in everything that comes to you. Mm -hmm. What's interesting though, you've both alluded to, to that nice sort of transition that you've got in your schools because parents don't necessarily have to take the choice that, you know, our parents perhaps would have done moving from primary, which secondary they go to. Tell us about being in all through school and what it means and what that transition feels like. Because I imagine that first day in year seven is very different to the first day of finding your way around and not knowing any of the faces that perhaps us three here experience. Charles, what's the it going to be like for your the, guys? The first thing is the transition doesn't start on sort of day one of year seven. It begins sort uh -huh. of two, three years before. Okay. So, uh, you know, a quality school makes sure that the curriculum and the way in which the learning, uh, the approaches to learning that the teachers and the leadership take uh, has a similarity. Yep. So it's not such a big culture shock when you're moving from one phase to another mm -hmm. that's super important uh, so the transition really needs to begin uh, in that early part of the upper key stage two for us in okay. sort of year towards the end of year four five and six mm -hmm. so integrating our children through vertical activities and event a strong house system is really good for that okay. because you're already yeah, working with children yeah. older uh, looking at schools that have great student leadership opportunities peer mentoring mm -hmm. where older children are working with younger children building those confident uh, relationships and links through a school uh, it can be unusual out here and Matt alluded to it we're very transient we do have changes in personality and personnel of teaching but as well as families and students mm -hmm. and so we need to make sure that connection uh, remains strong I think the quality of communication from the educational leadership teams looking at the academic changes the pastoral growth of the, of the children as they move through the school they're really really important mm -hmm. uh, and so don't overlook the fact that that doesn't really should start in the last six weeks of the end of year six this has got to start a lot earlier yeah. and we nurture and develop our parents parents as well as the children yeah. by making sure that communication is really strong. I think that's a really good point, actually, nurturing the parents, because yeah. I'm sure that's half the battle, Matt. Would you agree? Um, I mean, Giles uh, has made some uh, excellent points and, and left me with very little to talk about. <laughs> but um, I, I, think, I think when you look at the perceived barriers and when I think of, yeah. uh, you know, me, me getting kicked out of the school gate on the first day of year seven and not knowing where to go, you, you, you know, you, you, you think of the things that are, um, I suppose, quite scary about... Um, transferring to mm -hmm. um, secondary. So you think about the environment, 
So part of your transition has to be about normalising the environment mm -hmm. for the young people. Mm -hmm. So um, not just for the students we are keeping. Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, we of keep... Of course, it's going to be integrating those new students exactly, as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So so doing that as early as possible. Mm -hmm. um, for some people, that's not possible because they, they, they move over in the summer. Yeah. Um, but, but making the school available, getting them used to the school, giving people buddies mm. um, uh, so that those people who have transitioned from year six into year seven are buddied up with somebody who's coming from... Um, from a different school or coming mm -hmm. from outside of the country. You then think of, so other potential worries would be around the staff and getting to know the staff. So um, we all have specialist teachers who deliver in the um, primary area of the school mm -hmm. as, well of the, as, as well as the secondary. So getting as many of those specialists, as many of those yeah. um, secondary staff to normalise with, um, with students in year six before they go into Because um, they were terrifying, those secondary teachers. <laughs> when I went, I remember they were so different, you know, from my teeny tiny primary school. And suddenly, you know, the, the discipline and the, it was on another level. But well, I guess if your kids know them, it's and, such and an then, advantage. And then I suppose that the last bit is the, uh, the behaviour expectations, mm -hmm. which, which will be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're in an all-through school, you have the same expectations as primary. Okay, and so it's not going to be a shock. It's yeah. not. You you yeah. have a you um you develop a culture. Okay. So it's not about needing to reassert yeah. a position when yeah. you go into secondary. It's about continuing the position that you're already in. Mm -hmm. The other things we do are around assessment frameworks. Mm -hmm. So parents have exactly the same assessment framework from foundation stage one, so okay, three so years got old. Nice understanding, yeah. All the way yeah, through to the top of upper mm -hmm. sixth. Yeah. So they get that same assessment framework all the way okay. through. And because it's mastery, at year six, they can be operating at a year eight level. Yeah, okay, wow, well, yeah. And that transfers with them. Yeah, so it's okay. not a case of, I mean, um, I can still remember back in the dark ages when the cart dropped me off, you know, <laughs> to school. Um, the, uh, you know, you, you, you felt like you were starting again. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, uh, um, yeah. Uh, in the UK, when I was in the UK, we used to call it the arrogance of secondary, where, um, you know, it, we, we would assume that, because I was a secondary teacher as well, we would assume that everything they learned in primary was no longer relevant. Right. So they needed to learn yeah. everything again. Yeah. So we'd sort of start again. Yeah. Um, now, we got, we got much better at that as yeah. I got further on with my... Um, with my teaching in the UK, mm -hmm. and that that basically doesn't exist here. Mm, so yeah. you, you you know when you join a school, you get a baseline assessment, and then the world's you your oyster. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are you you're mastering um, your knowledge of the skills and the knowledge of the curriculum. Okay. And when you've mastered that, you move on to the next element. Yeah. I think our, our experiences at school were very similar, Matt, because the secondary teachers tend to operate in little small silos. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't feel a strong personal connection with each one of them. Yeah. They seemed to be delivering their own subject areas and that was their role. And that's evolved over the last um, 30 years. We've got strong senses of communities. And I think that's one uh, potential anxiety mm -hmm. for students moving through the primary into secondary because you've had one face really as your class yeah. teacher. Yeah. Of course you have specialist teachers as well but it's that one comfort blanket yeah. and suddenly you're faced with somewhere in the region of 12, 13, 14, 15 teachers in the, in the next mm -hmm. part of uh, key stage three and that can be quite uh, overbearing at the mm -hmm. start having to navigate a timetable, move myself through different classrooms, <laughs> going to different spaces, everything's a bit uh, a bit scary. So it's softening the impact okay. of that. Uh, we obviously 
obviously similar. I'm sure Matt does the same thing. We use a lot of our secondary staff to move down into the um, upper key stage two learning areas. So students are confident with yeah. the particularly specialist areas. It's fantastic in the worlds of the arts, PE, design and so forth that start to get a taste and a feel for the for the ways of learning. Uh, and that makes it a lot easier. I, I think, I suppose also, I mean, Matthew should be commended really for, I mean, excellent and outstanding results at GCC and A-level. And that's a real attraction to some parents coming mm. to the school. Uh, some younger schools, Arcadia is a younger school, will be launching our GCC programme next year. Um, having academic credibility, which is one of the highest uh, elements of parents' choice of for course, secondary yeah. schools sort of worldwide, you see a lot in government white papers and feedback, uh, is that that is the number one thing that parents look for. Sometimes that's quite challenging for new schools to demonstrate yeah. because you don't have that um, gold stamp kite mark of excellence yeah. of an IBDP or an or an A-level or so, so forth. So I think also parents should be uh, savvy to that mm -hmm. and also start to ha look at the academic outcomes for the children in those current cohorts as well, because there's a lot to be revealed there yeah, about the I'm quality sure. mark of the schools. Yeah. And I think that's one thing we're really proud of, uh, that we're able to demonstrate that. We share, we've got very open and transparent with our parents to ensure they know what the learning journey of their child has been like okay. and, and how well they're doing in, in relation to their potential in their experiences and I think you will find that you, you walk in the door you talk to the, the head of the school some of the key teachers people in that area you'll quickly realize this is a school that means business and understands these pathways for the children and can and, and can share and demonstrate okay. that with the parents. Fantastic so you're both British curriculum schools and of course they're they're in and we talk, touched on this in the primary segment earlier therein lies a, a new level of choice for some parents because who could choose this curriculum when we were kids you know but suddenly you do start to question well would they be better in IB would they be how much does it matter and when is the right, if you're going to swap, when's the right time to swap between different curricula? Giles is laughing yeah, over there. I just feel very, this is probably one of the most asked questions really, on any visit to yeah, a school. It's, yeah. it's well, what's the difference well, between the yeah. IB and the A-level pathway, yeah, yeah. Um, US Common Core, where's my child better suited? Where should they be going? Um, and my first answer is always the same, is curriculum's curriculum. Yeah. Now, all of the curriculum that's derived, and it doesn't matter if it's in uh, an Australian international school, uh, US Common Core curriculum school, has been derived by national awarding bodies okay. and so it just depends on the way in which that's constructed of course we're English national curriculum school so we follow English national curriculum standards right the way through from the early child framework right the way through to a level program so and it's it's interesting to see that other um, internationally recognized curriculum they're not going to start advancing skills you're not going to expect 11 year olds to be doing 16 year old work in mathematics or science so so the curriculum standards are very similar across okay. all of those frameworks okay. so that's the first thing that's very reassuring very, to make so like parents shouldn't worry yeah. too much about that it's actually how the school um, goes about integrating the curriculum and mm -hmm. adapting it and i think what we tend to see is those those schools that are successful provide more than just a very linear curriculum right. they build into it with other um, key skills they look at adapted programs that are universally available to, to, to enrich that experience in the classroom and take curriculum just beyond a series of standards and assessments and that's what the parents should be looking for how well do you blend that and what opportunities is my child going to get that they might not get elsewhere yeah. and I think um, Matthew was alluding to it earlier on with it we're, we're more than just a, a teaching school yeah. we do more than that and we want to find out what those key um, competencies, experiences of children, their likes and their passions and which direction are they going to go. And by then really stretching them in those areas, they're going to see some significant success mm -hmm. and a lot of enjoyment. Yeah, good. And a lot of happiness. We want yeah. children to come home tired, excited, ready to go back the next day and jump yeah. out of the car in the morning and go to school. That's what parents should be looking for. Yeah, I totally agree. 
I do remember they were, um, year, year nine was choose your options for GCSEs and then you went on and did your GCSEs. And I know in a lot of schools, the kids start their GCSE programme a bit earlier now. Yeah, yeah. So once you're into those kind of GCSE programmes, is there a point at which you, you would say to parents, look, perhaps just don't switch them after this age or that age or, you know? Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be a, a head in an IB school and, okay. a, and a head in an A-level school. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and... I've seen incredibly happy, successful students in both systems. My, I suppose my overarching advice would, would reflect both curricula. IB is for young people who have um, a lot of qualities across a lot of different subject mm. areas um, because those, that breadth is maintained yeah. throughout your curriculum. Yeah. That's the curricular choice. Mm-hmm. In A-level... It's the student choice. Mm-hmm. So um, if the child knows what they want to do and where they want to go or even knows that they want to keep breadth in their curriculum, yeah. A-level enables you to do that. Mm-hmm. IB prescribes breadth. Yeah, OK. So um, and then when you get down to the nitty gritty, I suppose, of the, of the content of the curriculum, it's about the different opportunities that you want. Mm-hmm. Um a level is um, is becoming increasingly more skills based, but is largely knowledge based, mm-hmm. and IB is largely skills based, mm-hmm. but you're assessed on the knowledge that you develop through your development of those skills. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there ever a good time to switch schools? Going back to what Giles has said, um, you know, there is. It, it does take time for young people to adapt to new environments. Mm-hmm. You, when when children are, are coming up to the age of 10, 11, they idolise their parents and they look at their parents and, they, and, they, and, and that's who they want to be. Mm-hmm. I can still remember the lovely days when my children used to think that of me. I've um, got an 11-year-old and never right, want it oh, to okay, end. Right, okay. <laughs> I think I've got a few months left, really. Right, well, let me, let me, let me, let me explain the bit that you're just about to go into. So, <laughs> so, so the section you're just about to go into oh. is they then start looking at their friends yeah. and they start looking at other people around them and thinking... I wonder if I, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. So I see this child or I see this person getting attention for this. Maybe I should try doing that mm-hmm. to see if I should get attention for this. So I see a child doing this and uh, uh, maybe I should test that out. Mm-hmm. And they go through three, four, five years of doing that um, and testing out and seeing who they want to be. Yeah. And sometimes that, that will mean challenging what, what they thought before, mm-hmm. what they believed. And, and quite often that comes out in terms of, Mum, Dad, I, quite, I don't quite understand where I am and, and what I stand for, so I'm going to test this out with you. Mm-hmm. That comes out in a number of different ways, as we know as parents. It's so polite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They don't quite <laughs> articulate it like that, but, that's, but that's, that's basically what's going on. Yeah. Then they get to those ages of sort of 15, 16, 17, 18, where they've decided who they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are then trying to establish it that themselves as the character and the person they want to be, but also the character and the person they want to be known as. Right, okay. So sometimes that involves protecting a part of themselves that they don't want anybody else to know about. Mm-hmm. So, they're, 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 I mean, it's a, it's a complex time. So yeah. changing a child at, at any stage will give them a new start okay. and will give them a new challenge. Yeah. There may be a stage yeah. where you think, I would quite like a new start and a new challenge mm-hmm. for my child. Mm-hmm. 
and they're, but also because they are changing on such a regular basis and they are, they're trying to find themselves, mm-hmm. if you're to react to every situation where you think, oh, actually he's fallen out with the yeah, friends okay. he had and he's got a Let's new group of friends, yeah. that, then you, you could end up moving them every week. Yeah. You, you wouldn't, but, yeah. but you, you know, so it's a really complex time um, uh, and I would always advise talking to the people who know your child best. Okay. Um, obviously, you as the parent mm-hmm. know your child very, very well, but also there will be people who will have seen a slightly different side or had slightly different yeah. conversations yeah. because those young people are, are testing out who they want to become. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so always consult with people where possible, keep them in the same environment, okay. um, keep them learning in the same yeah, environment. So. But if that environment no longer works for them on, on whatever level, then look and make decisions about the person who your child is becoming or okay. wants to become Fantastic. in the future. I'll pick so, up, I'll sorry, pick up just a couple of important things about curriculum as well, because you'll note there are schools in, and very successful schools in, in Dubai and in the Middle East that actually switch between curriculums. Mm. You can have a school that manages a PYP programme, primary yeah. years programme, suddenly switch to Key Stage 3 and Key Stage 4 and then go back into the IBDP. Uh, some schools run dual tracks uh, of ID, IBDP plus uh, US Common Core mm-hmm. because they're also uh, very conscious of uh, university placements for yes, children. Yes. That's a really important aspect as well. Um, and so obviously as the parents navigate their way through the secondary school, that's going to become more prevalent, particularly mm-hmm. once you get past year, year nine. Yeah where you've got to make some interesting decisions. Um, there's also an important part about understanding and knowing the university uh, pathway and programme of where potentially you're intending to take your child. And that may well be particularly back to a home country. Mm-hmm. So home status, we know that one of the big challenges for parents now in an international setting is getting home status for UK universities. Yes. So not actually living or being in the UK for a period of time is actually going to penalise them and make it more costly. So that's also another important aspect. Um, the the cross or switching between curriculum is important because can you deliver an English national curriculum key stage three and four with an IB framework behind it with the approaches to of course you can because just the way in which you redefine your skills and the approaches that you're using in the classroom um, and learning maybe through concepts and collaboration rather than knowledge and skills so there are ways to deliver that in 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 subtle ways and looking for to see how a school does that in its broader program Mm -hmm. is also very very important there's a big emphasis on um, developing critical thinking in the IB programme to prepare the children for that really tough theory of knowledge course. Uh, But other schools can do that in other ways as well. So it's not just that IB has an exclusivity of skills uh, and competencies and and concepts. It's Mm. just the way in which that is wrapped up in the IB framework for learning in the MYP, PYP and so forth. So other schools can adapt and find that. And and like Matt, I've had five years in an IB school, um, about 20 years in English national curriculum schools. And uh, a lot of the learning applications are very, very similar. So I think also parents should be cautious of pigeonholing their children into a particular typology of learner at a certain age because also we can be sort of, oh, yes, my child is uh, very much about skills and and, and, uh, collaborative learning, so therefore they must do IB. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't forget there's a lot of um, psychological change, physiological change, social change is going to happen in that journey. Mm -hmm. And so uh, be open to that. Matt um, hit the nail on the head uh, saying if they're comfortable and confident in where they are, just don't think maybe doing that too quickly and too soon. And coming back to the original question you say, uh, Jenny, which when's the good time to change? Um, I suppose a lot of um, school leaders would say 
on the breaking points between key yeah. stages, for example, yeah. at yeah. the end of year six, at the end of year nine. At the, mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily always a good thing either because mm-hmm. you do need some lead-in time right. before you get to those crucial GCC and A-level years to get used to the to, to the sociocultural expectations of the school, yeah. differences in behaviour expectations and management of the spaces and how the teachers go. So there isn't really a, a singular answer you can give okay. to that to say, yes, definitely go there and definitely yeah. go there. But I know that's the sort of crucial time for parents looking okay. at that, particularly if they might be leaving the country as well. So point. what about then, you know, look at me, with my 11-year-old and I'm thinking of choosing a secondary school and how much should I think about post-16 pathways now? You sort of alluded to that there, there Giles. Do I need to be thinking about, you know, I'm not just talking about IB or A-level, I'm talking about vocational options as well here. It's really, you know, so important. We're looking ahead to an era where perhaps he might have the chance to take T-levels once once he hits post-16. So, um, and for anybody who doesn't, who's listening and doesn't know what that is, that's the new uh, UK sort of gold standard for a vocational education that's going to be equivalent to an A-level. Um so, so what should I look for and how much should I think about post-16, Matt, at this stage? Again, again it's very much down to your, um, your children and, what, and what, what they want to do. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, that's nice. Um, <laughs> Eat pizza um, and play on the PlayStation yeah, yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Well, but, uh, you know, in all seriousness, so we've, um, we're the first school in the Middle East to um, uh, open up the BTEC for eSports and for game design. Oh, wow, okay. And um, so we've, we've, we've started it this year and we're working yeah. with the British Esports Foundation. And, and it's so incredible. Is that a whole qualification or is it embedded it's into two, another? It's two different BTEC qualifications. So wow. you can take it alongside A-levels, you can take wow. it as part of a BTEC suite, you can yeah. take it as part of doing some qualifications with us, but also doing an internship at the same time. That's awesome. So, um, uh, and what we're, uh, what we're seeing is our students are being approached even now about going to university and going into work, not just by game design people, but um, architecture is moving to a point where if you're going to design something, what you can actually do is rather than, I I mean, I bought a a new house off plan when I I first first moved into my first house uh, back in the UK. What you can actually do now is put a VR headset on somebody wow. and they can walk around yeah, yeah. what would be their house. They can even yeah. put the furniture that they've so got. Sort of gamification to other careers Absolutely. As well. yeah. and, that, and that's going to get wider and wider and wider. Esports, and I, and I was absolutely amazed by this, so I had to check it out. The top paid esports basketball player is paid more than the top paid NBA basketball player. Wow, really? It's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so that there's there's a there's a real um, there's a real move towards that in industry. Yeah. Now, typically in education, um, we take quite a long time to catch up. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because qualifications take quite a long time to catch up. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, our parents, um, including my parents, when I went through school, were judging the quality of my education based on the quality of their own education. Of course. Yeah. 20 years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it's about looking for um, relevance for your child, mm-hmm. but it's also about looking for a school that is willing to react to the needs of the children yeah. rather than continually churning out a curricula okay. that's yeah, actually, yeah. Is, you know, it's actually defunct. Yeah. If I was to take you about 40 years in any industry, mm-hmm. um, it would look completely different yeah. to the industry today. Yeah. And yet, I take you back 40 years in education and curriculum, mm-hmm. 
and geography and history doesn't look that Absolutely. different. Yeah. English doesn't, math doesn't, look, yeah, they yeah. don't look that different. Yeah. The, the classrooms, we've changed the colour of the board at the front. <laughs> Well, in fact, we've, we've changed it. It used to be a whiteboard. It's not a whiteboard. It's gone back to black. That's the chalk, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, we, so we've got these digital boards at the front. Uh, we've still got the um, students sat, you know, the, the, not in rows anymore. We now sit them in groups, although COVID gave us a little bit of rows back. But mm. um, it, it, very little has changed. Mm. And so it's about yeah. a school that's passionate about the children okay. and passionate about making a difference to the children. Okay. Yeah, look, at, I look for schools that are agile. And, okay. I, and yeah. able to share Did and support you? your right. child's experience yeah. at the early stage, you know, yeah. from, from year seven, from, yeah. from, from 11 years of age. Yeah. A school is looking at uh, ways to con constantly um, assess and support uh, a child on their journey. And it is a journey uh, through all their aspects of, of not just, just learning mm -hmm. about their experiences. I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, Matt. I mean, we're looking at the last big major revolution, 1988 education format. We haven't seen much change since that yeah. point in time. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it beggars belief. And somehow that wasn't just five years ago. Absolutely either. right. Apparently it was quite Absolutely a long time right. ago. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, so they say. And I think there's an inertia in education and Matt hit the nail on the head because governments and universities need to work together yeah. as a team to design and maybe a new framework for higher education. Then it's going to take another decade, half a decade to filter down into schools and see changes. So I think... Um, one, one of the things uh, certainly looking for is, is broader programs for children. And what we are seeing from our uh, school leavers going to universities is that the interviews uh, are becoming more complex. Mm. They're becoming more uh, collaborative based. Mm. So they are assessing the fundamentals of collaboration and skills that you've developed. But more so um, the, the careers and our career guidance counselling team they're seeing a significant uh, change in the application process to demonstrate a real passion and commitment to your future study can't just be in the classroom. Right. Yeah. And so when you're also looking at a school and also demanding of the school that they're offering wider programs uh, to add that depth and detail to, mm -hmm. to our children, that's also very important. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're thinking about young engineers, for example, how are you actually allowing our children access to broader programs in the community and the environment, bringing experts in from that uh, industry and field mm -hmm. to talk to them about the applications? Everything's becoming, as you can see, much more digital in its, yeah. in its outlook. Yeah. And so the digital curriculum and even now just coming out of the the recent uh, cop 26 talks and forums we're talking about sustainable curriculum yeah. and design thinking yeah. and actually using your innovative uh, practices to solve real world problems yeah. and that's one thing that uh, the ib certainly from my experiences and i'm sure you did as well matt found that a lot of the curriculum learning was linked to real life real world application and sometimes we miss that i think in the classroom and it's a really important aspect of of learning development so Schools that are agile, able to adapt, constantly looking at your child's capabilities and able to switch and move them into assisted programs, making sure what they're hitting, perhaps if they want to go to university. And then we may see a fundamental shift in the next 10 years I think so. about I children think not coming. going yeah. to university, yeah, I think so. actually mm -hmm. going straight into the world of work yeah. earlier, um, getting those experiences. We're expecting life expectancy to, to extend. So it might be that you have three or four careers in a lifetime mm -hmm. instead of just one. You know, there's so many. Uh, exciting intangibles yeah, are out there right yeah, for us you know rather than my sort of linear one one route go to school go to university get a job and then um, get a pension and off you go it's not like that anymore life is a lot more exciting for our children I've, sa I've saved the question that i know you guys really love answering to last it's about fees here's oh, your favorite one i thought you said it was about golf no you can talk about that afterwards okay um tell me does a high fee point mean a great quality school? 
Did the uh, two naturally correlate? Uh, look, uh, a high fee point gives you advantages okay. as a school because it enables you to recruit more and higher quality staff, mm -hmm. enables you to invest in your uh, resources, your site, it enables you to um, invest in young people. It enables you to be more agile. Mm -hmm. Enables you to have a broader curriculum. So there are definite advantages to being a higher price point school. Mm -hmm. What you do with that money, okay, is is the differentiator. Okay. So um, how you invest, what you use that money for, is what is what is what decides the quality of the school that you have. Mm -hmm. If you decide to spend it on stuff that's not linked to children's education, then it, it won't have a direct impact on the education. Okay. It okay. might, you know, uh, if you've got gold statuettes as you go down a long driveway oh, with a gold uh, statuette in a poplars, school, yeah. poplars all the way along the long driveway, that might be very important to some people. Okay. But it's not important to the most important people in this um, relationship, which is the young students, people. Yeah. You have to invest in the young people yeah. and find a school that believes in young people and has young people at the centre of everything that it does. Um, I've just thought of something else as well. I'm going to ruin your last question. Oh, when you when you were talking about them, picking, man. sorry, sorry, um, when you were talking about picking a school, mm -hmm. that I, I think what's and Giles alluded to it, what's becoming more and more important is. Uh, the connections that you make within the school, not just with industry, but the school itself. So the alumni associations, yeah, yeah. the 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 who you know. Mm. You know, we all know of very famous British independent schools and uh, who have incredible reputations, and mm -hmm. the top firms seem to employ yeah. more and more people from those particular schools. That it's about finding a school with a strong alumnus, mm -hmm. with strong links to industry. Yes. Uh, and that strong commitment to parents, mm -hmm. which is, you know, we're on this journey together, not just now, but we create a family and that family stays together mm -hmm. when that child is three, when that child is 18, when that child is 28, 58, uh, and you always stay connected to mm -hmm. the school and to the family. Mm -hmm. Do you want yeah. to add anything fees, to fees? Well, fees. <laughs> <laughs> fees again are yeah. a very emotive topic. Of course, yeah. Now, we all, uh, even not-for-profit schools, interestingly, and for-profit schools, uh, they still we still have a financial responsibility to the organisation. We can't be uh, you know, spending money left, right and centre on things that are not going to impact children, uh, which in the outcome at the end of the day is going to be a failing school. Mm -hmm. So we also have to manage that expectation. However, Matt, I 100% agree with him, is that the investment has to go into the children's experiences mm -hmm. and the quality of learning, first and foremost. You know, you can, uh, as you said, you can have gold statues or singing or dancing facilities, but unless they're being used appropriately okay. to develop the children's yeah. learning, yeah. you know, you get a sense you can go around, um, particularly a lot of the newer schools, ours is a very new school, um, particularly our secondary campus, which is only two years old, mm -hmm. but we are genuinely using the spaces to improve the quality of the learning of the children. Yeah. It's not just sit there for show and go in and have a look. Yeah. So that's an important aspect, I think, in terms of th those elements. Um, fees, absolutely right, Matt, the, you know, the higher fee points should, in theory, if you run your organisation effectively, should mean that you have more um, resources to invest in the children. So that's an important point. But it doesn't always mean the best quality learning right. experiences. Mm -hmm. That comes from a highly uh, integrated and supportive professional learning program. Mm. If you look at research worldwide over the last 20 years, 
top of the tree always is a quality professional learning program, which means your teachers are constantly asking themselves questions about how they can grow and develop. It's that point that Matt made at the very start, is that passion for improving all the time. And you can sense that when you go into the school. Rarely have I ever had a parent ask me, so what's your professional learning program? How do you assess the quality of your teachers? What is the quality of your teachers? But actually parents listening, that's great questions to ask. Absolutely right. Really, really really great question. Um, And and how you develop those, those particular elements. I think also parents, and one question I have been asked a lot frequently is is, is the parent company of your school? You know, are they financially sustainable? Mm-hmm. Is it a quick startup wanting to make a quick buck and move on? But have you got um, money behind the organisation, okay. which is going to mean if we have another global pandemic yeah. or if we have a significant yeah. issue in the city, yeah. that this, this school's going to exist and my child Enjoy. is still going to go and you're not going to tell me there's no more school tomorrow. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a lot of hidden, hidden messages behind the fees. Um, of course, here, uh, it's the most probably the most unusual fee structure in the world, which is tied to inspection and regulated ratings, uh, which it has been. But that's obviously the balance of that has been equalised over the last few years as they've changed the approach to to managing that. Uh, But I think there's a lot lot of questions need to be asked about uh, that that price point, that fee point, uh, if you like, which uh, can reveal a lot more about the organisation than just just the money, just the financial side. Okay. Giles Pruitt of Arcadia School and Matt Tompkins of GEMS First Point School, you have been wonderful guests, as were Ben Rothwell of Victory Heights Primary School and Fiona McDermott of Saffa British School. Before I let you go, here's the question we ask everybody who comes on the school show. What does education mean to you, Matt? Opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's the equaliser. Okay. It, it, it took me from a council estate and landed me in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, and without education, um, I, I, I would not be anywhere near this. I'm so happy I had teachers who invested in me mm-hmm. uh, and, and made me understand what education is and yeah. why it is so important. And do you know what? The same as all of your listeners, I haven't stopped learning I didn't start learning when I started school. I started way before and I haven't stopped learning now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a gift Mm -hmm. that was given to me by by the schools that I attended. And it's a gift that keeps giving back to me through the teachers and the students and the parents that, that I work with now at First Point School. Fantastic. Giles, what does education mean to you? Absolutely. Opportunity, excitement. Mm-hmm. I think we should always be looking forward mm-hmm. um, because that is that is where our futures are and the futures for our children. Uh, we, and I think oh, Matt just perfectly summed that up there about nurturing lifelong learning. Yeah. We want um, our children and our teachers mm-hmm. and us mm-hmm. to be continuing to learning for the rest of their lives. And I think by igniting that passion earlier on, mm-hmm. that's what education should provide. Yeah. This sort of ignition of something really exciting, really yeah. fulfilling, that and both what seems to be that although we came from challenging circumstances backgrounds in big comprehensive sector we both had great relationships with our teachers mm-hmm. and that's probably why we're sat where we are today yeah because we we love and feel that we're we're uh, not driving our ferraris around the village and showing off how much cash we've got <laughs> we are passionate about education yeah. and forging strong relationships with children and parents and that's yeah. why we're here so yeah. so those things really are it's incredibly exciting brilliant 
The school show will return next month with more great guests and education chats. We'd love to know who you'd like to hear from when it comes to education and which topics you'd like us to discuss. So drop us a line and let us know on editor at whichschooladvisor.com. Of course, please do come along and meet Matt and meet Giles at the festival at schools. Both your schools are taking part and we're really excited about it. Matt, you're next up. Yeah, yeah, we're on, we're on Saturday. I'm, yep. I'm looking forward to it. Saturday the 13th, 9 yeah. till 12. Yeah. Very excited. Safa did a brilliant job of, of, of kicking off the festival. Have also baton pass to you and then you're going to hand it over to Giles on the 20th. Yep, we're up on the 20th, really looking forward to it, lots of fun activities for children of all ages. Uh, come and visit our school in JVT, uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you all there. Yeah, brilliant. Tickets are free, you can find out how to get them on whichschooladvisor.com, so do visit the site. The School Show, talking education with whichschooladvisor.com.